0: Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase.
1: I'm Robin Eckhart, and I am the author of uh, Istanbul and Beyond, Exploring the Diverse Cuisines of Turkey, and this is my first cookbook.
0: There's no such thing as a purely Istanbul dish, a native told you during a visit. I, like you, always thought that Turkish food was kebabs, chopped salads, and baklava. How diverse are the cuisines of Turkey?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, As diverse as you can imagine. uh, When you travel from the Black Sea to the Mediterranean and from Istanbul all the way east to the Iranian and Iraqi borders and borders with Armenia and Georgia, uh, you have got foods with a Baltic influences and Russian influences and Persian influences and influences from the Levant. And in Istanbul, you also have influences from the cuisines that were developed in uh, Topkapi Palace. It's an incredibly diverse country.
0: You spent 16 months in Turkey researching this cookbook. So what was the main criteria for the recipes?
1: Uh, the recipes that are in there are the result of the recipes that we found, uh, I and photographer David Hagerman found during our travels. Um, I collected about 200, over 200, maybe 225 recipes and developed those and tested them. And, um, the first criteria was that it had to be delicious. Uh, the second criteria was that I wanted it to be representative of the region, um, that it was supposed to represent um, to include ingredients from that region. And um, the third criteria was that it had to be reproducible in an American kitchen. I'm not saying all of the recipes are super simple, although some are very, very simple and very perfect for a weeknight uh, quick dinner. Um, But they had to be something that a cook could do. And I wanted a range of recipes from the very simple to maybe more complicated or time-consuming sort of project recipes. Uh, There's really something in the book for everyone, I think.
0: Is it true that these recipes have never been published in English?
1: Some of them have never been published in English, simply because uh, food writers in Turkey and outside of Turkey tend not to pay attention much to some of the regions that we included so there are for instance some recipes from mostly Kurdish parts of Turkey that I I haven't seen in English I it's hard to say they've never been published in English but searching the internet and looking at other cookbooks that have been published on Turkish food I don't find them
0: that's so cool yeah describe some of your favorite culinary regions
1: The Black Sea. I I love fish and I love seafood and um, fish and anchovies in particular are really a religion on the Black Sea. When it's anchovy season, which is the winter, um, locals are eating these fish, which Turks call the prince of fishes, um, two and even three times a day. They're dipped in cornmeal and uh, fried in a pan. They're made into breads. They're baked and they're stewed. And this region also has, um, a lot of, um, leafy greens in the diet. So Swiss chard, uh, greens that are very much like collard greens. It's a very, uh, vegetarian or, um, vegetarian friendly cuisine. And I also love the cuisine of Hattai province, uh, which is in the Mediterranean and borders Syria. It's, um, sort of what closer to what we might know as, you know, Middle Eastern food. So you've got hummus and baba ghanoush, and you have uh, flatbreads uh, covered in, you know, spicy uh, cheese. And um, just it's a very kind of vibrant um, olive oil-based pomegranate molasses-rich cuisine with a lot of chilies, and I love chilies. So I, I would have to say those are my two favorite culinary regions.
0: It's interesting that the Hatai province is uh, true Meze culture, and I thought all of Turkey uh, was, as a whole, a Meze culture.
1: No, because meze are you know, something that you have with drinks. And when you move sort of away from Istanbul, there's, there's less of a drinking culture. Um, families eat together and they don't go out to Mehane, which are these drinking houses that you find in Istanbul where you can while away a whole night uh, eating meze and drinking raka or maybe beer. So um, without that drinking culture, you don't have a meze culture. But in Hatay, which used to be part of Syria, there is a large um, Arab-Christian population. And, of course, Syria and the Levant has this Meze culture, and so that's why you find it there. It's it's just a much more, um, there's more drinking there, and um, the Meze culture really comes from the proximity to the Levant. Now, what's pomegranate molasses? I've never heard of that before. It is an amazing condiment that every person should have in their uh, pantry, certainly. It's basically at its purest, and this is what you should look for if you're going to buy pomegranate molasses. Pomegranate molasses is nothing more than pomegranate juice boiled and boiled for hours until it's reduced to a a syrup. It's got a tartness, uh, and it's also got this wonderful citrusy Uh, flavors. So I couldn't say oranges or lemons, but it's not just sour. It's got layers of fruit and tartness that just work beautifully in salads, like in a salad dressing and in a stew or in a sauce, a cooked sauce. And I know people who just use it to even roast potatoes. They'll toss potatoes with olive oil and pomegranate molasses and throw those potatoes in the oven. I think if you try pomegranate molasses, you will find ways to use it in the kitchen because it's so delicious.
0: Why do you think lamb and mutton are only eaten in the city?
1: The thing about lamb and mutton is that most people tend to think that Turks eat a lot of lamb. People in Turkey eat a lot of lamb. But sort of what I'm trying to, the story I'm trying to tell in this book is that diets are shaped by the landscape in, and the climate in which people live. So if it's a region that does not support the, the um grazing of lamb the raising of of sheep then it's a region that tends to have fewer people who eat mutton so on the black sea um, it's a mostly fish-based diet people say they don't even like the smell of lamb and they'll only have lamb in the springtime when they can get very very young and mild and less gamey land lamb where if you go further east to the iraqi iranian border in van and hakari um, there is mostly lamb in the diet because the landscape is very rocky and mountainous, and it's only lamb, it's only sheep and goats that can traverse and, and pasture in those regions.
0: Speaking of landscape, the photography in this book is beautiful, and it really transports the reader to Turkey. Thank Tell you. Tell us about your photographer, Dave Hagerman.
1: David Hagerman is uh, an American photographer. He also happens to be my husband. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, co-publishes our blog, Eating Asia, with me. And we've worked a lot together on editorial um, for New York Times and Sever and other publications. We traveled together for the entire um, course of research for this cookbook and sort of um, sometimes working together, sometimes working separately. He would take off, you know, photographers keep crazy hours. They have to be out at first light. So he'd be out of the hotel room at, you know, or the home where we were staying at 5 a.m., driving, looking for landscapes, looking for scenes, uh, looking for ways to capture um, the foods of the regions we were in. And um, it was a truly collaborative project. And I, I feel very lucky to have him His photographs illustrating the book, I think it really brings brings the whole thing home.
0: was it difficult in conservative Eastern Turkey to take photos?
1: Uh, women tend not to want uh, their faces photographed, and if they don 't mind being photographed, we had people who would say to us, women mostly you know i don 't want to see that photo on the internet or i don 't want to see that photo you know please don 't put it somewhere where the public could see it and Of course, we respected those those uh, wishes. But in general, people don't mind being photographed. Um, They especially love it when you photograph their food, um, the process of making food or producing ingredients. I think a lot of times people were very puzzled. Why Why are you photographing this, you know, making of pomegranate molasses or why are you photographing this, you know, woman milking her goat? It's just daily life to them. So they couldn't quite figure out why we're so interested. But then you'd explain and, and um, you know, we're working on a book or, or we're documenting food culture. And it'd kind of be like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, we didn't have any problem really at all photographing out east.
0: Talk a little bit about the worker canteens. Now, are these what they call asnofs?
1: Yes. Asnof means As-noff? Uh, Worker or tradesman. They started out uh, really in Istanbul in the 1800s when um, office work became a thing in uh, the European side of Istanbul. People needed apl- men. Um, because women were still in the home at that time, needed a place to eat lunch. Um, they couldn't get home for lunch, and they, they needed somewhere to eat. And these very casual, uh, very homey places opened up that would serve home-style dishes. Uh, if you go into these places, everything's on a steam table, and I think that tends to put you know foreign visitors off. They poke their head in, they see a steam table, and they think, Ooh, you know buffet but um the dishes they're serving are dishes that would be long cooked or stewed and if they weren't sitting on a steam table in this locanta in this uh, uh, snuff locanta in this working um, men's canteen then they would be sitting you know at the back of a grandma's stove or at the back of a mother's stove so These are actually really dishes that are perfect for the steam table because, you know, you like a stew that's sort of been sitting over low heat for a long time, reducing and getting richer in flavor. And um, these are very economic, economical places to eat. And uh, they're also in Eastern Turkey where um, I came across a lot of dishes that I really loved. And it's basically the homiest of home foods served in a a public place.
0: Did you have a favorite dish at these canteens?
1: Gosh, that's hard. All of them? <laughs> you can always, uh, almost always, find uh, kuru fasulye, which are white beans stewed for a long time uh, in tomato sauce, and there's a recipe for that in the Istanbul chapter. I think for me, that's an iconic esnaf lokanta dish. It's just, it's homey, it's comforting. I mean, who doesn't like soft white beans? And they're often served. It's it can be served and is often eaten over a buttery you know rice pilaf that might be studded with maybe some orzo or some almonds it's just it's a, just a wonderful dish that's good especially in the winter
0: so your blog is called eating asia and mm-hmm. there's one blog post called please don't call it turkish pizza <laughs> okay. talk a bit about the desire to make familiar unfamiliar foods
1: i understand that and i think especially if you are a restaurant owner you know i you're a Turkish restaurant owner in the United States maybe, and you're trying to, you you want to introduce new foods and and you want people to somehow be able to identify with them. So you have this dish called lahmacun, which is um, flatbreads with uh, lamb paste over it. It's delicious. And, you know, if you just put lahmacun on the menu and you say it's a flatbread with lamb paste, you know, Customers might be like, hmm. But if you say it's Turkish pizza, then people are like, yes, I get it. Okay, I get what pizza is. I'm going to take the leap. But I think at this point um, we have had Turkish food in America long enough that we can start um, maybe trying to use a few words to, to say what the dish really is. I mean, we use the word kebabs, and that's what a kebab is called in Turkey. It's a kebab. We use the word doner. Uh, we use the words Baklava. Um, so let's just go there and um, call it lahmacun. Is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> and it's not pizza. It's it's a very it's a very Turkish Middle Eastern dish. It's not pizza.
0: It's not pizza.
1: It's not a pizza. It's a flatbread. <laughs> it's a flatbread. <laughs> so yeah.
0: the other night I made your recipe for slow cooked beef and vegetables on page 152.
1: I saw that on Instagram. It was a beautiful yes. photo. So
0: this dish was in the oven for, at 450 degrees for three and a half hours, uncovered. And I was shocked by how moist and tender the meat was.
1: And it was easy, too, right? It was so easy.
0: But I thought, this thing's going to be dry. It's going to yep. come out dry. But it wasn't. The, the meat, you didn't even need a knife. Great. The meat was so moist and flaky. It was Perfect.
1: It's just it's a really great dish to make when you just you know you're going to be around the house but you just don't want to deal with anything you whack it in the oven and three and a half hours later you've got this beautiful stew and it's it's a dish that is endlessly uh, adaptable it's versatile so you could make that dish without meat and maybe put some legumes like chickpeas in there. Or you could make it with lamb. You can change the vegetables according to season. It's a dish uh, called guvetch, which is also the name of the clay dish that it's usually cooked in. And this is a dish that's made in wood-fired ovens. People will take their guvetch to the wood-fired oven bakery, bread bakery, and have the baker bake it for them. And that's why the heat, I set the heat so high, is I'm trying to recreate that Um, intense heat of a wood-fired oven that this dish slowly, slowly cooks in to produce that gorgeous, tender, slightly browned result.
0: Where can we find you on the web?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter at Eating Asia. I'm on Instagram at Istanbul and Beyond, where I've been uh, posting exclusively photos uh, from the research of the book, photos from the book, and photos related to the book. And uh, you can also find the photographer Dave Hagerman, uh, at uh, on Instagram. I have to say all of the photos on my Instagram are by him. I don't even know how to use a camera.
0: They're stunning. You don't need to know how to use a camera. <laughs> you have David <laughs> <I'm lucky>. Hagerman. <laughs>
1: exactly. I'm lucky.
0: Istanbul and Beyond is an unforgettable Epicurean expedition. And wow. I cannot wait for your next project. Thanks oh, for coming thank on Cookery by the Book podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on the show, Susie.
0: Follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, Music to Cook by, on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. And as always, subscribe in Apple Podcasts.